All right, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. We got down through verse 60-something last time, 65. So we're going to pick up in verse 66 and uh, get down through, hopefully, uh, through 72. Uh, as we begin here now to talk about Peter and as he is going to be, de- as he's going to deny the Lord. And uh, the, it's a fascinating way that Mark lays this out. And again, it's Mark's the most condensed uh, setting narrative here. Matthew, Luke, and John, we're going to get over there in Luke and John, especially John, they're more elaborate about things. There's more going on. Mark, here's the gist of it, and we're moving on, chapter 15, verse 1. <laughs> you know, so again, as the as Mark's uh, MO is, we're going to go quickly and move and just get the facts. But if you'll remember from last time, verse 53, and they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. And then from verse 55 down to 65, we saw the, the, that illegitimate trial last time. We saw the Lord's faithfulness in spite of that. Uh, when they made their false allegations, he's silent because he's bearing uh, our rejection, if you will. He's being numbered with the transgressors. When they ask him about his doctrine, then he responds. And that's when they say there in verse uh, uh, 62, and Jesus said, I am. And that, again, is to the question, art thou the Christ, the son of the blessed? And uh, again, so he is... When he's asked about doctrine, he's on because that's what he's about. And really, that is the real issue here. So we saw Jesus Christ in his faithfulness. He doesn't waver in in the face of the turmoil. Now, starting in verse 66, we're going to see Peter, who is a failing witness. He's a failing disciple. And in Peter, what we're going to see is the failing witness of the flesh in the face of, of the, ad, uh, of the uh, adversary, of the enemy, of everything in front of him that's happening there. And there is a very important reason that Peter is presented and placed right here. It's not to embarrass Peter. It, 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 Peter is going to be an illustration. He's going to be used by Mark and really all four Gospels as an illustration of the failings and the reason for the failings of the disciples. Here's what's going to happen. Why did all the disciples forsake him? Why, well, by the way, not all did because John's with him. But why? why? So we're going to see why it takes place and uh, why it's happening, and really why it's going on. So again, Mark presents this contrast between here's Christ, he's faithful, and he's really he's faithful because he trusted the word of the Father. Peter is failing because he doesn't remember the word of Christ, that he doesn't remember the word of God that Christ just spoke to him. So you got the path of faithfulness, 
pictured in Christ where he's trusting God's word, and then you've got a path of failure, and that involves ignoring God's word. Uh, You're in 14, if you come back up there to verse 26. So the why he ignores this, ignores what Christ just said, is very important to catch, and we'll see that really in the three steps here. He, He... it's again the context is just tremendous the thing that gets peter is what christ told them you're going to forsake me if you look at 14:26 and when they had sung a hymn they went out into the mount of olives so this they're leaving the upper room they're going out into the garden verse 27 and jesus said unto them all ye shall be offended because of me this night now watch For it is written, Zechariah 13, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. So Christ just said, you guys are all going to be offended because of me this night. And the reason is because it is written. This is what the word of God said is going to happen. So Christ says, here's what the word of God says. You know what's going on, verse 29. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And that's the problem. Because what Peter, Christ says, here's what the word of God says, Zechariah 13. It's going to be fulfilled. It's very clear. Peter says, I don't care what the word of God says. I'm not going to be offended. I don't care what you say. I don't care what God's word says. I know what I'm capable of doing, and I'm going to be okay. So what Peter begins to do now is trust in his own resources, his own confidence. He's making a boast here. And literally what's going to happen now with Peter is he's going to have to go through a tremendous experience come over to first corinthians 10 here that's going to teach him that he has to distrust himself he can't rely on himself his own strength his own resources is going to avail nothing and rather it's going to it's going to put him on a path of of just turmoil and tribulation and our strength, there's an, in, on the path of service, it's never your resources that give you the capacity to serve God. It's the Word, it's Christ in you. The, the uh, verse in the back wall, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ. And that's what Peter's got to learn here. And really, we all have to learn this. And that's why Paul says, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. You see, that's the testimony of all the word of God. So when you come back to Mark 14, what's going to happen here is Peter's going to learn that you can't, you you, you can, you're never, it's never going to be you accomplishing anything it's always going to be the word of god saying and doing and working in you and when you have strength 
is when you trust what God's Word says. So what's going to happen to Peter here in chapter 14 is he, he's, gonna, he's got a little self-trust going on, self-reliance, and it's going to get him in trouble tremendously, so much so that in verse 72, at the end of the verse, and when he thought thereon, he wept. At the end of this, he's going to come to the realization, to the brokenness, to the low point, that, you know what, I can't trust myself because I failed. Rather, now I'm going to need to trust in God's Word because that never failed. My strength is going to lie in not I, but Christ. And Peter's got to learn that. So when we go through here, we'll start in verse 66 now. As we go through this, keep in the back of your mind, Peter, this is not to embarrass Peter. It's not, to, it's not designed to, to make him look weak or cowardly or any of that. It's rather... He's going to be used as an illustration for that nation who's self-reliant and why they're going to, uh, well, they're going to think that they're never going to fail, and yet what do they do in the end? They fail. Peter did that. Peter thought, I will not, and yet here at the end, he's done denied the Lord three times. Now, verse 66, and Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. Okay, so we, Peter, so if you think about the palace, the Lord is upstairs, Peter's downstairs in the courtyard area. Okay, and when she saw him, saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, and thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. So he's warming himself. Now, all the commentaries and all the guys, oh, he's warming himself by the devil's fire. Well, he is in that he's in the wrong place. This is going to be enemy ground now. And she makes a statement here in verse 67. This is not a question. The other, okay, he, he's going to, she's going to say, you were with Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 68, but he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crow. Notice, the first time he's challenged about knowing the Lord, he denies it. But he doesn't just deny it. He says, I know not, Neither understand I what, what in the world are you, who, what? No, and he just, it's just a complete denial here, okay? But what's interesting is when you come over to John 18. So come on over to John 18, because we'll see the scene a little, develop out a little more, John 18. And it's, it's really very fascinating here how, Again, Mark is cut and dry. Here it is, boom, boom, boom. But yet John, the book of John, it gives us some insight, insider information here. And here you've got John. He's, he goes in with Jesus Christ into the palace. So John's on the inside with Christ. He's in the palace of the chief of the high priest and so forth. Peter is on the outside, lower balcony area. Actually, there he was out on the porch. So John's inside, Peter's outside, warming himself by the fire. 
Now, just kind of catch what's happening here, verse 10. Then Simon Peter, so we're in the garden here, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Now, they're in the garden. They've come to take the Lord, and Peter's ready to fight. Now, why verse 10 is important is look across the page at verse 25. Verse 25, And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. Notice, Peter's not just warming himself by the fire. He's now in the midst of the very crowd of the soldiers that went to get him. So now he's in the enemy's camp, see? He's, he, he, and he gets noticed. Now, Peter's been following from afar off, but yet notice now where he's at. He's in the crowd that went to... So he's not a coward. A coward wouldn't go into the very crowd that would probably try and kill him if they could get away with it, see. He knows that they, if they had a chance that they would kill, but Peter's problem goes back to verse 10 and 11 because Peter, he's, he's disheartened. He's confused. He, he's not a coward. I, it just kind of grates, gets rubs my fur the wrong way when I hear people talk about Peter being a He's not at all. Look at verse 11. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Again, put it away. Peter is ready to fight, see? Pulls the sword, again, takes he's head hunting, dude's right ear and all that good stuff. But the Lord knows something. The Lord says, I, we've got to trust the word and the will of the Father. Peter is, in my energy, they will not take you. You're my, you're my Messiah. You're my Savior. They're not taking you. So right from here, he sees the Lord, verse 12, Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away. You see, Peter looks at that, and he doesn't, he doesn't understand. See, you just surrendered. We could have beat them. We could have at least took a bunch of them with us, you know. But yet what Jesus Christ is doing, Jesus isn't confused. Uh, come back to Isaiah 50. Jesus Christ is not confused about what's going on. He's, he, know, he knew what was needed to be done. Isaiah 50 and verse 6. We were here last time, okay? And there in Mark 14, verse 65. You see, Peter wasn't paying attention to what the word of, the, of God was. He's trying to get it done in his own energy of his own flesh, his own resources. Christ, when he says there, Peter, the cup which my father hath given me, I've looked in the cup. We've been praying about it three times here. It's done deal. we got to go do it. Why? Because Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters. 
and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. That's Mark 16, 14, 65. That's what they're doing to him. For the Lord God will help me, therefore, shall I not be confounded. He's not confused. The Lord is very clear in what's happening here. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. You see, the Lord, he knows what's happening. And what's happening in the trial, because again, verse 6, that's what they're doing to him there at the end of the, in the, in the trial, see. The adversarial attack has begun. Peter's downstairs warming up and in, you know, in the wrong place. And yet the Lord, he's clear on what's happening. He's trusting the will and the word of his father while Peter, come back to John 18, he's out there trusting his own thing, doing, trusting in himself. And even though he, and instead of trusting God's word, he's over here going, hey, I can win this. No, I wasn't. No, no, no. And yet one is producing a faithful witness, and the other is producing a failing witness. And that's really the difference here, and that's why Mark's got them here. If you look at John 18, uh, again, verse 12 to 14 here, uh, well, verse 13 and led him, led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. By the way, Annas and Caiaphas, there should have never been two. There's always, always only one high priest, see, so we've got an issue here, and again, he's father-in-law, so, you know, we're going to keep the family happy. Verse 15, and Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple, and that disciple was known unto the high priest, and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. That's John. John goes in with him, Peter He's following afar off. He's on the outside, verse 16, but Peter stood at the door without. Then went out the other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and brought Peter in. So John sees, he's outside. John sees Peter, No, I mean, he knows his heart. His heart is, okay, speaks to the, the damsel there and gets Peter inside. The palace. Now, he's not upstairs. He's down on the lower balcony areas. But now he's inside, verse 17. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? No, it's a, here it's a question. Mark, it's a statement. See, But the question is really, Peter, where's your heart? Where is your thinking, Pete? And what does he say? I am not. See, verse 18, And the servants and officers stood there who made a fire of coals 
for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. First mistake is, what's he doing? He's warming up with the enemy. See, The Lord is up fighting the adversary. Peter's joined them. He's in the midst of them. He's forgotten God's word that he was just given in the upper room. Now, come back to Mark 14. See, his, he's focused in on his own strength, and he ends up in the wrong place with the wrong crowd. Now, if you look at verse 68, Mark 14, 68, but he denied, saying, I know not, neither understood I what thou sayest, and he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. Again, I'm not, and I don't get, I don't understand what you're talking about, and then what happened? The cock crows. Now look at verse 72. And the second time the cock crew, that's only, you only find the second time in uh, Mark. Matthew, Luke, and John don't say second time. The other gospels, they don't tell you it's the second, they just say the cock crew, the cock crew, all right? The first time the cock crows, now watch verse 72, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crow twice. And again, that, this is only found in Mark, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. The first time the cock crows had no impact on Pete. He didn't dent him. Second time, it did. First time, the first didn't work, didn't work him up at all, didn't... It, verse 69, and a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. <laughs> say, what, it, what did the Lord tell them back in verse 30? Verily I say unto thee that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. He's told them that Peter's not, the first time the cock crows, it doesn't even register. He's warming himself. He's focused in on not I, I don't know. If Peter had been paying attention to the word of God, when that cock crowed the first time, he'd have been pricked in his heart, he'd have been paying attention, he'd have been stepping up, he would have left, or he would have went on in and joined John, but he doesn't. He missed the cock crowing. So he is, he was, he was, consumed in his own self-reliance, in his own self-confidence, in his own self-pity, his own self-offense. He was offended at the Lord. He's, he misses that the, the cock crowing because he is so angry at the Lord for giving up. See, he is so, ang so disheartened, so just... I just can't believe that. He, really, he's angry. And because of that, he ends up in the wrong crowd. He ends up warming himself at the enemy's fire. He ends up missing the cock crowing. He's on the outside. Verse 69, And a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. Now, those around him, now he's inside that crowd. First he's by the fire pit, now he's moved in with them, see. Okay. 
Now he's in their company of the enemy. Verse 70, and he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by and said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. You see, he's in the midst of, the, 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 he's in the wrong crowd. <laughs> he's in the midst of that. They level the accusation, we see who you are. And he goes, no. Nope. And then they say, yeah, you're, you're from the north. You're from Galilee, see. And your speech, you know, it betrays you. Come back to John 18, just real quick, and kind of catch this. So the scene here is, is just tremendous, John 18 again, because in John 18, and we're going to go over to Luke 22, there's more information that you've got to kind of grasp here that isn't in Mark, because we're down to verse 70 already, see, okay? But you've got to catch what's happening in the scene. Uh, John 18, verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said, therefore, unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. So it, it's it starts out where he's warming himself. Then he moves into the midst of, the, of those that were in the garden that took the Lord. So, and Peter, now come over to Luke 22. Peter's following along. They're, they're questioning him. He's, nope, 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 okay? Luke 22. Now watch what happens here because there's something going on here that you have to catch that we see in Luke. Luke 22, verse 54. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed, notice, afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. See, he's warming up, and now he's sitting with them. He's in the midst of them, Okay. He's part, part of, he's in the wrong crowd, okay? Now, in Mark 14, again, notice here the progression, and you just kind of have to think about the attack here of sin, all right? Hold on to Luke 22. Come with me to 1 John and chapter 2. 1 John 2. You have to remember the attack of sin here. Because Peter's going to do it. Luke 22, I'm, I'm sorry, 1 John 2, and look at verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That is where Peter is. Peter, come back there to... Stick something in Luke, but we need to come back to Mark 14. Peter is in the lust of the flesh. He's getting warm by the fire. He's cold. Go. Lust of the eyes. He's with the group. They see him. He sees them. And they're interacting. But now we've got to deal with that pride of life issue. See, And the pride of life here 
is what 1470 is going to speak about. Notice verse 70. And he denied it again, and a little after they said, they that stood by and said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. Now, by the way, where Peter's hometown, he's from Galilee. His hometown is not Jerusalem. Okay, so Acts 1.8, when they go to Jerusalem, you start in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and the other most, see, Jerusalem is not their hometown. And, I, you know, you hear the preachers, I've heard them all, all my, you know, Jerusalem is your hometown because it's Peter's hometown. It's not Peter's hometown. Jerusalem is the city of the great king. That's where he's supposed to be. They know him. They recognize that he's not from the south. He's from the north. Why? Because his speech betrays him. You're from the north. You're not from the south. Verse 71. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. Now think about that. He's a commercial fisherman. I think he knows how to curse and swear. So he's like, if you... Your speech betray, I'm not, I'm not, uh, and he just says, well, I'll tell you what, and he just curses a blue streak, as they would say. Let it go, see. I'll show you, and boom. But that's not what Peter's doing here, okay? Rather, in Scripture, come back to Judges chapter 17. When you, talk, when you think about cursing and swearing, it's not just having a bunch of curse words. I can remember the first time I ever swore, used a bad word, and mom, <laughs> I'm not very smart, I did it right in front of my mom, and she caught me, so I was in trouble, you know, and uh, I didn't know what I, I didn't understand, I just heard the kids at school say it, so then I said it, I had no clue what, you know, and when dad got home, He's like, all right, let's talk, and then I'll, uh, you know, he goes, your mom wants me to beat the tar out of you, but I think we need to talk because when you curse and you swear, what you're doing is, is you're bringing the person that you're talking to, using the words against, you're bringing them down and you're elevating yourself, and you're, and you, that's, and rather than going and learning a better vocabulary and bigger, better words to use, you just begin to use the, you use the, the it, it's a tearing down. That's what it is. And, and so you're just, you're not bettering yourself, you're just bringing them down. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, well, what did you say? I, you know, and blah, 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 and off we went. But in Scripture, it's more than that. Look at Judges 17. Verse 1, and there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. Now, this isn't the prophet Micah. This is another Micah. Actually, he introduces Baal worship to, to Israel. Verse 2, and he said unto his mother, the 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursed, and spakest of also in mine ears, behold, the silver is with me, I took it. So he stole from his mom. And his mother said, Blessed be thou the Lord of the Lord, my son. And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord for my hand, for my son, to make a graven image 
and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. Notice what she did, what, what she said. He said, Mom, you cursed it, and I took it. I stole it. But then Mom says, no, I dedicated it to the Lord. So cursed is equaling out to dedication. She had made an oath to the Lord. She wasn't using a bunch of bad words, see. When, and again, when you, again, are using bad language, foul language, you're putting a curse on them. You, you know, you're tearing them down. You're, you're putting an oath on them, and that's what is happening here. Peter, he... he you know, very easily could he been cursing? Sure, he's a commercial fisherman. He knew how to do it. But more than likely, what Peter was doing here was, was that of an oath that he didn't know. When you come back to Mark 14, but he began to curse and to swear, saying, I knew not this man of whom you speak. He was at the very... He's making a oath here of I don't know him rather than a bunch of bad words you know four letter words you're not supposed to use come back to Matthew 26 and notice it here because at the same time that Peter's doing this the Lord is up in the upper rooms of the palaces and in Matthew 26 verse 72 2672, and he, by the way, this is Peter, but he, uh, verse uh, 69, now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> and again, he denied, now well, look, with an oath, I do not know the man. That's going to match Matthew 14, I'm sorry, Mark 14, where he's cursing and swearing. So what's he doing? He's making an oath here. All right. Now, at the same time, look back up at verse 61. At the same time, Verse 61, and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest said, answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Son of God and then Jesus answered, I adjure thee. I'm putting you under oath. Are you the son of God? And he answers him. Adjure. I'm adjuring. I'm putting you under oath. So at the same time that Peter is down in the lower balcony area making that oath of I don't know this guy, what's the Lord doing? He's up faithfully executing an oath that he is the Son of God, the Blessed. Peter, he's down here cursing and swearing. He's, nope, 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 nope. The Lord's over here going, yep, 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 yep. By the way, the, the speech of the Lord Jesus Christ would have never used foul language. 
And Luke 4, the other night, we were looking there, and it talks about his gracious words. And that's the kind of speech that Christ had. So here, we come back there to Mark 14. Actually, uh, go to Luke 22. Let me go back over there real quick. So Peter, his speech, he does. He makes an oath of, I don't know him. Okay, And he probably used a few letter words to turn everybody purple so they knew he was you know, righteously, you know, mad about it, indignant, yes. You know, again, you have to remember, Peter is mad, and he's mad at the Lord for giving up and not fighting. Why did the Lord give up? Because the scriptures have to be fulfilled. We're doing what the word and the will of the Father is, Pete. I told you that in the upper room, and Pete's like, nope, I'm not going to do it. So Peter... The lust of the flesh, he warmed himself at the enemy's fire. He got comfortable there. Nobody messed with him. Then he moves to the lust of the eyes, and he joins the crowd who were opposed to him and would have killed him if the case would have been allowed out. Now, the third strike, he's literally cursing. He's murmuring and complaining, which is an earmark of Israel's history because he's unhappy with what is going on and why they're even there to begin with. So again, Peter is so angry at what the Lord was doing that he is now murmuring and complaining. And it kept building up until it just blows up. And what it blows up in is this, I don't know this guy. And he just says, you know what? He's a tremendous disappointment. I'm disgusted with him. So no, I don't know him. And he's, I'm out. Now, come to Luke 22, because there's a spiritual battle that's happening in all of this. Christ is battling with the adversary upstairs in the, in the, in the tri- and he's winning. But Peter isn't winning. Now, look at Luke 22, and just notice the scene here. And again, Luke and John are dropping stuff in Mark. <laughs> Mark's just boom, boom, he's done, the cock crows, and now straightway we're going to the next scene. Uh, 22:31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Now, when you repeat Simon, Simon, anytime the Lord ever repeats any word twice, you better pay attention to what's happening. Simon, that's his old life name. He goes from Simon to, to uh, Cephas to Peter. To, he's surnamed out, but Simon, that's his original name. John, where Simon Peter, so he, now he's back into his old life. So when we see Peter in the denials... Where is he at? He's in his flesh. He's in his old life. Now, watch what the Lord says. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Okay? So, what do we have here? Simon, you better pay attention because Satan desires you, all right? You, little flock, 
Why? Verse 29. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in, the king, in my kingdom, and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Why is Satan trying to destroy the little flock here? Why is he going after Peter? Because that's the little flock. That's the very group that's going to run and rule and reign the ki- and, and, and oversee the kingdom. And if he can get them to be, then God can't use them and he can't do. So Satan wants to destroy that little flock. Again, you, plural, the group. Then he says there in verse 32, and when thou art thou, that's Peter, see. So we're talking about the 12. They're sitting on the thrones. They're uh, uh, executing the authority of Christ in the earth, that literal, physical, visible, earthly kingdom that they're looking for. And what does Satan want to do? He wants to destroy the little flock. And the Lord says, I'm praying for you, Pete, because you're the leader, you're the head. And when your, when your faith, <laughs> I'm praying that your faith fail not. But what's going on right now in the garden? His faith is failing, see. Peter's trusting himself. He's not trusting God's word. So this, I mean, again, he's warming. He's in the very camp of the enemy. He's angry. He's mad. He's murmuring and complaining about what the Lord's doing. He's mad at the Lord. But he, Peter hadn't accepted what happened in the garden. He just, and again, we're not talking days and months and weeks. We're talking hours, within you know a couple hours here. Again, he pulls the sword. What did the Lord say? Put it away. What? We got him. You know, no, Pete, what does the word of God say? Say, by the way. The Lord is the Word, and what did the Word say? Put it away. It's we got to fulfill some of the, you know, and he surrenders. Peter hadn't gotten over it, so off he goes. So what does Satan do? Satan sifting Peter to see if he can use that to destroy Peter and the little flock. So the trap has been set for Pete, but Christ told him that already. See. He had told them, I'm going to the cross. Come back to Mark 8. You've got to think about the trap here being set. Mark chapter 8. You see, the Lord has told them openly three times in Mark, I've got to go to, to Jerusalem to die, be buried, and resurrect the third day. Look at 829. Mark 829. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ. Peter answered right. See? He, by the way, if you compare that with chapter 14, there where we were in verse 71 when he says, I know not this man of whom you speak. Peter knew who he was. He just lying. Because he's angry. He's mad. And in that moment of just seeing red, (laughs) he says, I don't know this guy. He's a blankety-blank and boom. And... But yet Peter knew who he was. Now, 831. And he, and that's the Lord, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things 
and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and of the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. He doesn't hide it. He makes it clear. This is what's got to happen. It's time to fulfill Isaiah and Psalms and all. It's time to fulfill Moses, the law, and the prophets. It's time. So what does Peter do? And Peter took him and said, yes, Lord, woohoo, let's go. No, he rebuked him. See, Peter says, not true. No one's going to get you. I, I got your back. I got your six, as they say. So then what does the Lord do? Verse 33, and when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter. He doesn't look at Peter. He looks at the group. And saying, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Now, the Lord isn't calling Peter Satan. It's what is Satan, Satan promoting? What's the message of Satan? Let's follow the things of your flesh and not the things of the word of God. See? And that's exactly what Peter's doing now in Mark 14 is where is he at? He's in his flesh, see? He's, he's savoring the things of men rather than the things of God, God's word. His confidence is in himself, self-confidence, self-reliance. And it all has come to a head here when Christ surrendered. And Peter, is, he's mad, he's not getting over it, he's murmuring and complaining. Now, come back to Isaiah 29, and let's fix the murmuring and complaining and see what will fix the murmuring and the complaining. Again, because Israel does this. You know, they're murmuring and complaining about Moses. You know, back in the day, man, in the flesh pots of Egypt, we were good to go. You know, you know and all, now we're out here eating manna and dove. What is, you know, ugh, you know. And, all, and Peter's doing the same thing. Isaiah 29, last verse of the chapter, verse 24. How do you get over the murmuring and the complaining? Isaiah 29, 24. They also that erred in spirit shall come to understand, and they that murmur shall learn doctrine. Isn't that interesting? You need to learn doctrine to get over the murmuring or, and complaining to get over being mad at God. Now, we all get mad at God at times. I get that. But how do you get over it? You learn some doctrine. See, you go in, you find the doctrine in, in the Word of God, and you know what Peter needed was he needed to, to learn, he needed to remember what God had just told him what was going to happen. He said, no way, they're not touching you. Jesus Christ said, okay, let's go see what happens. Now, come back to Mark 14. What's going to happen, Pete? You say no, I say God's word's going to come true. Peter says, no way. And the Lord's, okay. So look at 1472. And the second time, the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him. Because before the cock crows twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. What happened? 
the first time, no impact on Peter at all. Why? He's thinking about himself. He wasn't focused on God's word. The second time here, there's what? Again, this is the second time the cock crows. It's the third denial, but it's the second time. Now, there's a change. He remembered what Christ said. He thought about, he remembered the doctrine and therefore causing the weep. What changed for Peter was what did he remember? What the Word of God said to him. Now come back to Luke 22 and watch how this happened. Watch how he remembered. Because when you're mad, sometimes you've got to get slapped, you know, just whack to wake you up. See? And here's a very precious moment. The Lord doesn't smack Peter. But there's a moment here, 2260, okay? That's very precious. You only find this event in Luke. You don't find it in John. You don't find it in Matthew or Mark. Verse 60, and Peter said, man, I, man, <laughs> man, that oath, that swearing, and curse, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. Now watch. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Notice what the Lord did. The Lord, he says, I don't know him. The cock crow and the Lord. Now, the Lord is moving between Annas and Caiaphas. So he's in, the, he's in the breezeway. He's in the hallway. He's moving from one house to the other. And Peter's down below. And the Lord looked. And what did Peter do? He remembered. Now, at the very moment that he looks up, and here's Christ, the Word, looking down. When Peter looked into the eyes of the Word, the Word searched his heart, broke the madness, broke the spell of self-confidence, and it caused Peter to remember the Word. Remember Hebrews 4.12? The Word of God is powerful, quicker. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Your heart's desperately wicked. No, you can't know your own heart, but that Word does. And that's literally what happens here. Is Pete, the Word, Jesus Christ, looks down into Peter, and it, it just causes Peter to remember. So then what did he do? He goes out and he weeps bitterly. And this is going to be an exact picture of what the nation of Israel, come back there to Mark 14. This is an exact picture of what is going to happen with Israel. In Zechariah 12, it says, they will look upon him whom they pierced and will mourn. See, they're going to weep and they're going to mourn. And what Peter 
was converted, if you will. He was brought back to faith in the Word. He had to learn, though, what we all have to learn. Every believer, no matter where you're at in Scripture on the timeline, that the, our, the resources are, is not in our flesh. The resources come when you trust the Word of God to you. You end up, by the way, if you don't trust the Word of God to you, you end up in the same place Peter is. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life will get you. And you can't function properly. But what's fascinating about that thing in Luke 22 is the Lord never spoke. He doesn't speak to Peter. If he had, he, he, does, he doesn't even flinch. He's just moving and he just, you know, he's just, you know, walking and he just looks down at the courtyard. Had he spoken to Peter or reacted, it would have had betrayed Peter. And it would have had demonstrated that he did know him. And they'd have killed him. They'd have hung him, strung him up. So the Lord, even at that moment, doesn't betray Peter in the midst of all of that. See, the Savior remained faithful to Peter. And again, Galatians 2.20, that's our resource. It's in him, Peter. Again, it's not I, but Christ. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave him. Again, Peter, he had to learn it. That's why he weeps bitterly. By the way, that's why at the end of John, John 21, the Lord three times allows Peter to confess, I love you. Do you love me? I love you. Do you love Why? Because he's got to restore him back from these denials. Because that's just a couple days after this event, see. He's the head of the 12, Peter is. And Peter has to be able to do what? Stand. That's that thing back there in Mark 8, the Satan saith in you. And when you're converted, now you're going to go and feed the flock. So that's why in Acts 1, remember, what, look over at Acts 1. you got to think about what's happening here. Look at Acts 1 and look at verse 16, verse 15. I got goosebumps. <laughs> Acts 1.15. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120, men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. And that, we just kind of read through that and keep going. But you, wh what did Peter do before? He was trusting himself. He wasn't trusting in what the Word of God is. And the moment the Lord looked at him and he remembered the Word and what was happening, and then he's able to get, get his standing back with the I love you statements. Well, now what does Peter say from here on out? Hey, we got to do what the, script, the Scripture's got to get fulfilled. So we got to get back to 12. Then we're going to come over here and the scripture is going to do this and the scripture is going to do that. And what Peter does is now from this moment on, the rest of his days, he says, you know what? We got to obey the book and we got to obey the word and it needs to be obeyed. And the denial of Peter, when he denied, again, the picture 
is to tell Israel, it's to tell the little flock, it's to tell you and I as we study it, that the resources for service, the resources for doing and accomplishing things is not in ourselves, but rather it's in Christ. It's in the Word. So when you come back there to Mark 14, Peter is not a coward. Peter's just mad, but he's mad because he's trying to do it in his energy of his own flesh. He's not paying attention, and then the Word looks at him, gets involved, looks down in him, and he remembers and he weeps bitterly, see. And that's a tremendous picture about trusting yourself. Don't do that because it ends up being, it ends up getting you in trouble, okay? Now, 15 verse 1, and straightway in the morning the chief priest had a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to... Pilate. So now the first six verses here will deal with Pilate. Okay? But don't miss this thing here about Peter. It's very, it just, Peter gets a bad rap because of it, but he, and he does, his faith is failing, but in the end he's restored. And again, there's that Savior, Israel, you're killing them, and I'm going to restore them. You're killing them, and I'm going to restore them. And here's Peter right there, wrong fire, wrong fire pit to be by, wrong crowd, and yet in the end he's restored. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the look into it, and just the reminder of who to trust and where our trust needs to be placed, which is in your word and not in ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen.